So Jan Strickland will be um, coming up just right now. She's a wife, a mother, and a grandmother. And she and Bill, her husband, celebrate their 57th anniversary. Yep. So congratulations to you. And have lived in the Phoenix area since 1977. She is a cancer survivor and loves the Lord Jesus. And she life coaches, mentors, and speaks at several different events. She has served with Campus Crusade, Victorious Christian Living, Inc., and been in leadership in churches she um, has attended. And she even co-founded TEA Ministry. What does that stand for? We had T's to tea. outreach oh, there you to go. the community there you go. to bring people to the Lord. Awesome. So, yeah, using T to bring people to the Lord. Encouragement, Inc., in 1988 with Bill, and also has served in marriage ministry as well. So we welcome you, Jan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I'm excited to get to be here with you guys tonight, and I have to speak really fast. And I am so blessed by the music. Didn't Melissa do a great job? And I'm sorry, I can't remember the other guy's name. Thank you, guys. And I think I was so blessed when I walked in and I saw older women, younger women, all kinds of women working together. And we're talking about unity today. And I saw it in action out there. And then all of the group back there serving by running the sounds and stuff. What a blessing to be in the body of Christ and to work in unity. And I know we've all Many of us have been through some really hard things lately and not understood what God was doing, but that's always happening to us, isn't it? He never, ever does things the way we want him to, when we want him to, because he's God, we are not. And I just wanted to share a few minutes about love, because just think about how much God loves us. I mean, he gave his only son for us. When Before the foundation of the earth, he knew us, he called us, and he ta- calls us a royal priesthood, and he calls us by name. Isn't that exciting? And he delights in us. I mean, we blow it, but he still delights in us, doesn't he? And the thing about it is, we've got to remember, what is real love? And we see it all in Jesus' life as he ministers to us over and over. And I don't know if you guys know, but there is 30, over 35 verses in the New Testament about love one another. How is the world going to know it? How is the world going to know Jesus if we don't love each other and, and really edify each other with our mouths and with our actions? And sometimes I don't always do real good at that. But God knows I want to do better all the time. And we do mess up. And we do make mistakes. And I was just looking. My husband and I have been married uh, 57 years. I forget, and he remembers. Isn't that weird? (laughs) But, you know, he's got the memory. I have to write everything down for myself. But if you will think about this with me, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all in unity with each other. That's our example. And so who is dividing us? Satan, right? He's trying to divide us because he never changes his technique of how he's going to try to get us. And as I think about how they functioned as one, we can do that if we walk in the Holy Spirit, just like Melissa was talking about. We've got to want God in control of our life all day, every day. And I know myself, every morning I ask Jesus to please take control of my life. I want to walk in the Spirit. Is there any sin in my life I need to confess? Is there anybody that I have something against? And I need to confess it right then. I don't need to wait until later. I've carried it around all that time. Also, if, is there anybody I need to forgive? And is there any action I need to go to that person? Do they know I'm holding something against them? Then I need to forgive them. And by the way, if any of you have never taken salt, we teach the salt class. I'm going to give a little 
commercial, but I learned more about forgiveness in that class, and I was a mature believer. We had, we had been in ministry since 1972. We had been with different ministries, but when we learned the principles of that teaching that Christ is our life, not us, we're not, <clears throat> we're not anything but the shell for him to live through. He's not an add-on that just to answer all my little questions, all my little questions and be like Santa Claus. He wants to live his whole life through us. And if we've got any blockage, we need to get rid of it, whatever it is. Because if we're going to work in unity, then we have got to be clear on our standing with the Lord every day, not just once in a while, every day. And I think most of you guys know that and practice that. But I have to always tell myself that every single day and spend time with the Lord every day. Also, I was thinking about my husband and I. You know, we're unified, but we are very different. Our gifts are really different. And so we have to work to communicate with each other and really talk to each other and be honest. We've got to be honest about how we feel. We don't have to be mean, but we've got to be honest. And then we can pray with the other person. And he can either change us, or he can change them, or he can change both of us. And we practice that all the time because we can't make it without it. And then I trust him because I see that my husband spends time with the Lord. And then every day, which he gets really tired of me doing this, but... I ask him, what did God show you this morning? Because I need to know what God showed him. And I certainly want to tell him what God showed me because I get excited about that. So uh, that's how it's going to work in this body after we've went through this big wave. I feel like we've been in a big wave. It's affected every one of us in some way or another. But God is sovereign. He is going to work this to his glory and our good. What do we need to learn out of this is my question. What do I need to learn? Because God's always teaching me something. I don't always want to learn what he's teaching. But anyway, uh, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to read part of it. 4 through 8. And in that, it talks about what true love is. And it says, and I know a lot of you are already familiar, you can quote it. My, I want to tell you, this is the scripture. When our house was divided with our teenagers and our kids, we read this every day because we needed to see it every day. And it really tells us what love is. In verse uh, 4, it says, love is patient. Oh, my goodness, patient. You know something? I never did learn how to sew because I didn't have enough patience. My mother didn't have enough patience to teach me either. She just did it. So it, you, we got to look at that and be patient with each other and love each other. And then also we can be kind. I know we have did quite a bit of counseling. And we said, why don't you just be kind and nice to each other? I mean, Really? Can you not do that? You're saying you're a Christian. That doesn't make sense. And then it's not jealous. We don't have to be jealous of what someone else is doing or what someone else is not doing or that we want to do. We don't have to be jealous. That's what love is. And love does not brag. Have you ever been around somebody that's just bragging about everything they have? It's hard to love those people. I mean, but we still have to love them anyway. And that's not always easy. And it's not arrogant. Oh, my goodness. I never want to be arrogant. It says God gives grace to the humble. And I want to be in that category. And then does not act unbecomingly. Throwing a fit is not going to be becoming. Have you ever seen a two-year-old throw a fit? I'm sure you have if you've got children or grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. There's no reasoning with them. They are having a fit. And if that's a part of our lives, that is total sin. We've got to confess it, and we've got to ask God, help me. Help me not 
be angry. What am I angry about? Have you ever thought about when we are violated? That's when we say, oh, it's righteous anger uh, because it's all about us. It's not about God, not about what God wants. It's about us. Okay, it does not seek its own. Oh, my goodness. Do your own thing is one of the big things, I think, in our society. And so we have to really not be seeking our own. We want to seek God. We want to seek God's direction, God's power. And is not provoked and does not take into account a wrong suffered. That is a tough one sometimes. Don't we have to work through that emotionally? I do. When somebody, I mean, you know, we have some irregular people in our, our lives, right? <laughs> They're just kind of irregular. <laughs> and God loves them. And so can we through Jesus. We can't do it of ourselves. You know, it's usually sometimes a family member. I have one of those in my family. And I have to pray all the time, Lord, put a guard over my mouth when I'm around them because I'm liable to say something that would not be edifying. But anyway, so it does not rejoice in unrighteousness. How many times have you seen somebody doing something and you know good and well that's not going to work out well for them? What do we do? Do we, do we pray for them or do we just kind of watch? Okay, I'm going to watch when this happens. Yeah, it's going to happen. I know it is. No, it says don't rejoice in unrighteousness. What about rejoices with the truth? Man, isn't it exciting when we can read a promise? Do you know there's 7,437 or more love one another and God's promises, I can't remember. No, that's God's promises. How many promises he has. And you know, with some, there's the promise of something really good happening if we do that, right? But with some, there's the promise of there's going to be consequences. And sometimes we just go, okay, we'll go for it. We'll just take the consequences because we want to do it because we want to do it. And so... I mean, I've, I've did that, I'm sure. Many of you have. But the thing of it is, we don't have to do it. And then look at the next thing. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I think some of us are enduring right now because of just the many changes. And, you know, we like to keep things the same way. And change rattles our cage, right? But God is always changing it so we'll trust him. I know one of the things that's helped us a lot was going on, oops, I'm running over. Anyways, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. And so we can see that love never fails, and God is love, and we can be love to other people. Because God lives through us. And we don't have to conjure it up or make it up. We can trust him. And I'm so thankful that God gave me this opportunity to be a part of all of your lives just for a brief moment. Because it's all God. Lord God, we thank you that we can love others because you loved us first. Thank you that we can set aside our own selfish ambitions and our own selfish goals. And we can trust you for what you're doing. And you tell us you're going to do a new thing. And Lord, we thank you that we can trust you for the new things that you're going to do. And they will be good because you are a good God. And we just love you in Christ's name. And now you're going to get the... Oh, I was supposed to say, Bill, my husband back there, and I are going to be a part of the women's ministry. <laughs> he, he's, he's dealt with me all these years, so he's good at it, okay? <laughs> if you ever see him, he's walking around being very patient. He's much more patient than I am, I can tell you that. But I work on it. But the thing of it is, we're going to... Uh, and so if there's questions or something you want to ask sometime that you just like privately like to ask, we're available to you. And now I am going to introduce Ashley and the women's team because many of you might not know them.
And I think this is a good opportunity for you to get to know them. You met. Sorry, I ran a little later. I know. (laughs) Where's the rest of our women's leadership team? If you could come forward. Dun, dun, dun. It's going to be fine. (laughs) All right. So just as Jan had said, um, Bill and Jan have come alongside women's ministries so that... um, as a covering, as a blessing, and just as a support system. So we're very thankful to have them. So thank you, Bill and Jan. I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to introduce the women's leadership team to you. And um, they're nervous. Don't be shy. It's going to be fine. Uh, so we're missing one lady, and that's Charity. She was supposed to, she was supposed to send in a, in a picture. I was forcing her to do that. and There it is. <gasps> there it is. I'm sure everybody knows Charity. She's like involved in every single ministry, so you will see her around. Um, she is our uh, current acting women's director, um, so that's Charity. Um, I'm gonna uh, give some information on Charity first since she's not here, just like Michelle with your friend. You're like, if they're not here, I'm sorry, we're gonna start with you. <laughs> so um, the questions that I have for the ladies tonight is, how long have you been a member of Calvary Chapel Surprise? What other ministries are you involved with currently or have been involved with in the past? And how long have you served with women's ministries? And we want to let you all know who we are. Um, as leaders, we believe that we need to be approachable. We need to be available to you. And we can't do that unless we're visible. So we want you to know who we are. Um, if you see, we all have our... Um, name tags on. So at Bible studies, that's how you're going to recognize us also. Um, if you don't have like a photographic memory and you can't memorize, memorize us right now, um, we'll be around and this is the, the color and what our name tags look like. Okay, so starting with Charity. Charity has been a member of Calvary Chapel Surprise for six years. Um, <laughs> I said to her over the phone, I said, now tell me what ministries you've been involved with. And she said, I'm going to tell you what I haven't been involved with, and that's men's ministries. And that's, is that true? It's true. So I wanted to just recap. She's been, she served in women's, children's, at the connect table, um, caring cooks. She helps her with the uh, Saturday night fellowship. Um, she drives a golf cart uh, for the parking lot ministry. You Matter Ministries, like... If, it's, if it has happened at our church, Charity probably had, had a hand in it, which is awesome. And she's been a part of women's ministry. She's going on her fourth year. Um, okay, starting with me, my name's Ashley, and I've been attending this church with my husband for 11 years, um, we, from almost the beginning, actually, of the start of the church. Uh, I have been involved in children's ministries, um, in teaching and leading worship, I'm also serving in the nursery um, in the past, and this is my first year uh, serving women's ministries. All right, who's got the mic? Michelle. So how long have you been a member? Um, oh, is um, it on? There. Okay. I have mic problems tonight. A lot of them. <laughs> um, I've been with the church since I was pregnant with Andrew, so seven years. And I... What ministries have you been involved with? Oh, yes. Currently? Okay. Um, and children's ministries. I love helping in the nursery and holding the babies. I don't want to have any more. I just want to hold them. And um, also the connect table. And then this is my first year in women's ministry. Awesome. My name is Edna Ellis. I've been coming to Calvary six years. I'm in media, so I'm usually in the back. Um, been with, served with You Matters, um, and then women's ministry recently. And how long, and this is your first year in women's ministry? Yes. Leadership? Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Barbara Guido, and I have been at Calvary for five years. Um, This is my first year serving on women's ministry. I help out with the, um, I can't even remember what it's called. Crafts. Well, yeah. Yeah. I do the crafts ministry with Estelle. Um, That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Melissa Dunson, and um, likewise to Ashley, I've been with the church since it was open at the school 11 years ago. Uh, So I was junior high, high school. So I served um, as a leader in youth ministry for about five years prior to college. And then when I came back, I got plugged here and there with worship, still youth, and then now women's ministry. So for one year now with women's ministry. Um, with the worship, so. 
Hi, I'm Mary Littlefield, and I really don't like being up here. This isn't my role, but I'm doing it for you. Um, so I, I'm supposed to answer some questions. Um, I've been here for about five years and um, about four years on the women's ministry. Um, I love to do the decorating and the, you know, events, and that's uh, something I enjoy. So I started doing that um, after I was in Bible study, I would do the potlucks, and somebody asked me to start serving. You know, would you like to do this? And I had no idea how much, you know, of a blessing I would get from that. So that kind of started just somebody saying, hey, would you, would you help out? So I started with doing the potlucks, and then I became a Bible study leader. Never thought I would do that. Um, and let's see, I've done the Real Christmas Surprise and VBS, and I'll occasionally be in the nursery if they, if they need me. Just pass the baby over. She's yeah. <laughs> but I like the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, can we leave pretty soon? Yes. Yes, you may. Yes. All right. You may go. You may sit back down. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. All right. Like I said, in order for us to... <laughs> Good job, ladies. In order for us to be available and approachable, we need to be visible. So I, yes, I force them to do that. So thank you. <laughs> That's just a testament to how much they love me. <laughs> All right. So as I was preparing for um, this talk on unity, we as women's ministry, as a leadership, um, I was asking them some questions. And so I may quote you guys, it's nothing bad, don't worry, it's good stuff. But I, I, wanna, I put together some bullet points on what God has laid on our hearts, each as leaders, about what women's ministries, how we should function, what that should look like. Um, we've been praying about it when we meet together, and, and um, God is showing us some really awesome things. So I just want to share with everybody so that you understand where we're coming from and what our hearts are. So I'm just going to go through some bullet points here. Forging meaningful friendships and relationships that are authentic and genuine and long-lasting, obviously within women's ministries, but also with the body at large. Drawing women closer to each other as we draw each other closer to the Lord. Growing in the confidence of our identity in Christ. Bridging the gap between older and younger women in actions and activities. Learning what each of our spiritual gifts are and how to utilize them for God's glory and to benefit the rest of the body. Not just ministering to ourselves, but reaching out to the community around us. Creating a safe environment that promotes transparency, love, correction, and encouragement. Fostering like-mindedness for serving others. Having a greater emphasis on teaching, training, and mentorship, discipleship. Focusing on the multiplication of Christ followers, not just the addition of them. When I asked um, these women, you know, what, what they thought, what was their passion, what is God showing them? Why are you on women's ministry? Why did God lead you here? And there was, there was a lot of different answers, but there was one common theme, and I knew that God was going to do that. I knew that he was going to give us different responses, but at the end of the day, we would all have the same like-mindedness, and he... Yeah, you know, he showed up. And um, do you want to know what the number one response that all these women gave me of what their heart is for women's ministry? It was that every woman is included, that not one person is left out. Everyone has a place and they know where it is. We can't do that unless we are united and we're following one leader who is Jesus Christ. Excuse me. Our team, um, we've been serving together since about January, and we've had to come together in unity. Um, obviously, that's what a, what a team does, and you get to know each other and how everybody works together and what everyone's strengths are, weaknesses, et cetera. And I will, say, I will say personally for me, I'm very thankful for these ladies because I can't tell you how much money, probably thousands of dollars, I've saved in therapy just, you know, speaking with these women, like, they have just been a rock for me personally. Um, but really, we forge friendships, and I'm very thankful for all of them, especially when they do things like come out of their comfort zone, just for little old me. Um, God placed on my heart tonight to speak on unity. 
And I, trust me, like, I know if they're nervous, I'm, like, the last person that should be speaking. Like, I've got anxiety issues. And I know that, like, when you're nervous, you're not supposed to tell the people that you're nervous. And I'm just going to roll in a different way. So that's what we're going to do. Um, I just have a funny story about <laughs> being nervous since we're on the topic. But um, I served at a church, or I attended a church with my aunt for four years. And it's a chapel. It's like 20 people on, a, you know, on like a good day or whatever, 50 on like Christmas and Easter. And people really came out in droves. And uh, she asked me to lead worship with her. And I play the guitar a little. I sing a little. And um, I was so nervous. And again, there's like 19 people that were you know, leading in worship. And uh, it took me one full year to actually put a microphone in front of myself. So I'd stand up there and I'd sing and I'd play the guitar, but I didn't want, any, I didn't want anybody to hear me. By the end of the second year, um, I actually like stood in front of the microphone, you know, and I was like, okay, all right, this is good. By the end of the third year, I actually turned the microphone on. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I have microphone issues. Um, but these ladies have encouraged me. They've just, they've been a friend to me and they've encouraged me to speak tonight. So I'm very, very thankful for that. One of the other things, again, that I was asking them was just what is God showing you? What, is, what does God want for this ministry? These are some quotes from, these are from the leaders. These is from the, this is from the women who want to serve you. Um, what's good for women's ministry will be good for the rest of the body. And that goes for any ministry. So these are some quotes. Again, it's nothing bad, ladies. I promise they didn't say anything bad. But I want you to hear from us. I want you to hear from the leadership team. That's important to us. Ministry is a reflection of God's love for us. Very insightful. It wasn't, I didn't say that, but I'll, I'll, I can take credit, but I didn't say it. Um, we can create a place that embraces each other, including our flaws. Oh, excuse me. If we can create a place that embraces each other, including our flaws, then we can create a place where women will be open to share, open to receive, and be teachable before the Lord. We need to get our hands dirty. We need to sacrifice and we need to serve outside of our comfort zone. Right here. A family at home serves each other. Not one person gets to be served solely. The family functions in a way that everyone serves so that everyone is served. This, is, this one's probably my favorite. I would like for the complaint we receive about women's ministry is that you can't move around here without someone stopping you to introduce themselves. And she was like, even in the bathroom, I just want it everywhere. I want everybody to feel loved and welcomed and how are you and hi and everybody, no one is left out. Maybe not the bathroom, I'll let that one go, but <laughs> fine. I know, sorry. Everyone's story is significant and no one should be left out. If Christ is the center, then no one should be left on the outskirts. Now I'm reminding you, these are the things that God has placed on our hearts. These are the desires that we have for women's ministries and how we want to serve you all. We don't know what the specifics are of what God wants to do. Okay, we, we don't know. Um, we're, as everyone knows, um, our pastor recently stepped down and in doing so, his wife stepped down from being the director of our women's ministries. We had to regroup a little bit. We had to, to see what God would have for us. We had to unify even more than we were before. And like I said, we don't know what the specifics is that God has. He has not revealed a master plan to us. But what we do know through his guidance is to come back to that one. The, the, the common thread between all of us is that no one, no one woman is left out. That can be, yes, absolutely, praise God. And that can be a huge, you know, deterring factor in women's ministries and the body as well. How many times are women left out of women's ministries? How many times are people left out? As leadership, we are humbled and we're grateful to serve. And the first and foremost characteristic of a leader is that they are a servant. And that's how each of us sees ourselves. And that is our desire that we commit in our hearts before the Lord to serve this family of believers. We were called individually to this position by God and we were each given an opportunity to respond to that invitation. We are not perfect. None of us claim to be, but we serve a perfect God who is refining us and leading us. You know, and for a few of us, it's, and myself included, it's my first time ever serving on women's leadership before. This is all new to me. Should I have said that? No, I'm just kidding. God is good. Forgive me. I'm working off my laptop because it wouldn't, I couldn't print and it was just a, a huge mess. So, sorry. 
So we have had the summer series of events um, and every, we've had four of them, this is our fourth one, and each time there's been a different topic. And we have talked about love, which is God's love for us, obedience, our obedience to God, honesty and transparency, allowing God and others to speak to us, being honest with ourselves, and lastly, by no coincidence, unity, which is coming together as a community of believers to bring God glory. Um, I know I keep talking about the leadership team, and trust me, it's not because we're boasting whatsoever. We're boasting in the Lord of what he has done, um, even in our group and our team. We, as, as a leadership team, we have a testimony to share. It's an ongoing testimony of God's sovereignty and love and provision. And God is doing something extraordinary here at Calvary Chapel Surprise, and we get to be a part of it, not just us as leadership. We all get to be a part of it as, as his children. God is taking seven different women from seven, seven different walks of life, seven different seasons of life, and he's bringing us together to work together for a greater purpose than any of us could have ever dreamt up on our own. But we can't be deceived. This sounds great, right? Like this sounds like we're just holding hands, like skipping through a field of daisies, and it's just awesome. Um, it's been a huge blessing to us. We've been just really blessed by, by being able to serve everybody. But the enemy is real, and we can't be deceived by that, you know, the fact that there is an enemy. We are in the midst of an opportunity for Satan to get in and meddle. But we are also in the midst of, in the presence of a God who holds everything together in his hands. And he's a God who had planned, he has a plan for this church long before the church was even established. What he wants to do in surprise, what he wants to do in every heart that's here, that's up to God. And it's up to us if we're gonna respond to that. I wanna talk a little bit about we, us as women, our role and our function within the body, how God made us to be, what is the design? And instead of asking what is our role, we should be asking what is our design? I'm gonna tell you this book, Captivating, by John and Stacy Eldridge. I don't know if you've read it. It's amazing, um, chock full of just God's truths um, uh, about how God made us and why. So a lot of these things I'm gonna reference from there and that's been a huge help to me. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. We are the only creation, if you think about it, we are the only creation that bears his image. He created nature, plant life, animals, solar system, et cetera, but he chose people to reflect his image in us, his image, his character, his heart. He created them male and female. There's a clear distinction there. Can I get an amen? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> we know that, obviously, but God wanted that. He wanted there to, um, to be different genders for, for a reason. There's a passage from this book that I want to read, and it's about God creating woman. It is nearing the end of the sixth day, the end of the creator's great labor. As Adam steps forth, the image of God, the triumph of his work, he alone is pronounced the son of God. Nothing in creation even comes close. Picture Michelangelo's David. He is magnificent. Truly, the masterpiece seems complete. And yet the master says that something is not good, not right. Something is missing. What was that something? Mm-hmm. It was Eve. It was a woman. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. And the Lord God cast a deep slumber on the human and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed over the flesh where it had been. And the Lord God built the rib he had taken from the human into a woman and he brought her to the man. Genesis 2, 21, 23. She is the crescendo. Am I saying that right? Crescendo, the final, the finale, the astonishing work of God. Woman, in one last flourish, cre creation comes to a finish with Eve. She is the master's finishing touch. And that's not, I wanna tell you, that's not just about Eve, that's us as women. We're special to God. God made a clear distinction between man and woman, and we were given the same care and consideration in our formation by a creative and loving father. We are women and we bear God's image. It is by God's design that we carry his image. Again, that's his heart, his character, it is, it is by God's design that we carry his image to the world as women in a feminine heart. A feminine heart, merciful, tender, vulnerable. A woman's heart is important to the world around us. I'm gonna expand. There, this talks about a lot of characteristics of the image that we bear 
um, from God, but I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna expand on two of those and how we reflect God and bear his image set apart from men. So the first one I'm gonna talk about is beauty. All around us, God's creation shouts of his beauty and his goodness. God likes beautiful things. He can't help it. He can't help but infuse his creation with beauty, and that includes us as women. If the essence of man is strength, then the essence of woman is beauty. And just as strength can be a physical description, it is far more than that. Beauty can also be a physical description. It's far more than that. And in the Bible, Peter is quoted as saying, your beauty should not come from the, in, from the outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4. Now, Peter, he's not dismissing physical beauty. Like, it's just assumed. He knows that, that women are, are physically attractive, that God made us that way. Duh, like we're physically beautiful. But what, what Peter's saying is that beauty is a heart condition when you really think about it. Instead, and this is again to quote, instead it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Okay, how many of us are not relating to a quiet and gentle spirit? <laughs> Thank you, yes, okay, me too. <laughs> Sometimes we are loud and proud, we are outspoken, we have things to say. So what is Peter talking about here? What he's saying is that true beauty comes from the inner part of us, our hearts. That's a reflection of God, our heart at rest. What, excuse me, Got it. What part is, is the image that we bear of God? Our hearts, right? His character in our hearts or his heart that we're reflecting. When our heart reflects his heart, then we reflect his beauty. God, <laughs> this I'm trying to relate to, God is not frazzled. He is at rest. He fights, he's a warrior, but he is steadfast. A woman in her glory, a woman of beauty, is a woman who is not striving to become beautiful or worthy or enough a woman who's beautiful, she knows in her quiet center where God dwells that he finds her beautiful. He has deemed her worthy and in him she is enough. In fact, the only thing getting in the way of our being fully captivating and, and enjoyed is our striving. We get in the way of it. Zephaniah 3.17 says, he will quiet you with his love. A woman of true beauty a woman of true beauty is a woman who in the depths of her soul is at rest, trusting God, because she has come to know him to be worthy of her trust. She exudes a sense of calm, a sense of rest, and invites those around her to rest as well. She speaks comfort. She knows that we, will live, we live in a world at war, but she also knows that because of God, all is well, and that all will be well. A woman of true beauty offers the grace to be and the room to become, that's also from the captivating book. I can't take credit for that one. So talking about beauty, again, it's, it, again, physical, physical appearance, that's assumed that has to do with beauty, but we're talking about what God has really put in our hearts, which is to be at rest in him. God is in control, and what a beautiful thing that we can join him in that, that he allows us to also feel his presence and his comfort, that he knows what's going on. He's right on time. That's hard for me a lot of the time, but he, he's a good father and he's a trustworthy one. All right, we're gonna talk about nurture. This is another characteristic of women. Now, this, none of this is me saying this. This is like just legit plagiarism from their book, so I'm just gonna read it. To nurture is to see who a person really is and calling them out to be that person. The impact on a life that has been seen and called out is dramatic and eternal. The nurturing of life is a high and holy calling. And as a woman, it is yours. Yes, it takes many shapes and has a myriad of faces. Yes, men are called to this as well. But uniquely and deeply, this calling makes up part of the very fiber of a woman's soul, the calling to mother. 
We mother each other when we offer our concern, our care, our comfort. We mother each other when we see a need and rise to meet it, whether it is a sweater for a friend who is chilly, a meal for a struggling family, or a listening ear for a friend who is hurting. All women are called to mother, of which is to nurture, and all women are called to give birth. But to give birth to all kinds of things, whether it is children, ideas, creative expressions, ministries, interpretive dense, I don't know, I threw that one in there. We birth life in others by inviting them into deeper realms of healing, to deeper walks with God, to deeper intimacy with Jesus. A woman is not less of a woman because she is not a wife or has not physically born a child. The heart and life of a woman is much more vast than that. All women are made in the image of God in that we bring forth life. When we enter into our world and into the lives of those we love and offer our tender and strong feminine hearts, we cannot help but mother them. Friendships need to be nurtured and guarded and fought for. We need to call one another without waiting to be called first. We need to ask how our friends are doing and really listen to their answers, listen between the lines. We love our friends by pursuing them. Who also pursues? God, yeah, Christ, he pursues us. We love our friends by pursuing them and offering our hearts. Isn't this how God loves us? In your friendships, in your relationships, you will disappoint others and they will disappoint you. That comes with the territory of being human, but it is not the truest thing. In your relationships, you have the opportunity to practice loving, which is to partner with God in mothering and bringing forth life to another and having your heart enlarged by caring for another and your life enriched by sharing the adventure that life is. God designed us to be pretty amazing creatures, if I do say so myself. The reason I I bring this up is because I want to express to you how amazing God did make us. Like, it just blows my mind that he took such time and care and concern in forming us. And it totally blows my mind away that we even get to bear his image in these things. This is not, though, I don't want to confuse this with some kind of like, I am woman, hear me roar, like woman empowerment, motivational speech. Like we are pretty amazing, but let's remember this is about, this is about giving God glory. This isn't about what we're doing in our power or our inner beauty or, or our nurturing ability or anything. This is about bringing him glory, always pointing back to him with the gifts that he's given us. Psalm 115.1 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because your loving kindness, because of your truth. Again, this is all about God's glory. Now, what does unity look like in beauty and in nurturing, in those images that we bear of the Lord? Unity, beauty, excuse me, beauty and nurturing, they don't compete, they encourage They appreciate and value what other women bring to the table because if God created us, then the way we reflect God matters and unity matters. I wanna move on to another way that God has formed us, something very important. And this also goes along when we have chaos come into our life. And recently with this change in, you know, pastoralship or whatever with leadership, things can feel very out of of balance or wonky. And we have to be very careful with how we respond. God made us in a way as women to respond. Um, So it's important that we understand what that means, the weight and gravity that that brings with it. It is important that we offer up to God the gifts that he has already given us by, the, by way of his image. What you do with beauty and nurturing matter, what you do with the other characteristics matter, what God has given the gifts to you, it matters. And I wanna move on to another very important characteristic or ability that we as women possess. Now, um, there was a time recently where my husband and I, we weren't, we weren't sure if God would have us stay here at Calvary Chapel Surprise. We just weren't really sure. We were praying about it and asking God, where would you have us? And we prayed about it for 30 days. And um, there's a testimony all in that. I won't get into that right now, but God is good and he answered and he confirmed in our hearts to stay here. And what he, what he spoke to my husband and I is that God has a revival for us. And I'm not, I'm not you know, gonna, gonna sit here and, 
try to preach and be like, you know, there's this revival and it's coming and, you know, whatever. Like, what I want to tell you is it's real. It's real. God has something really special and specific for this body. I don't know what it is, but I know it's coming. And we need to, we're being called to be a part of it. I don't know if you can feel it as well. Yes, there's being a shift. Yes, there's being changes made. But God has something really, really specific here. And I mean that from my heart. I mean it from my spirit. Like, it has been confirmed, to me at least. And I hope that you would pray about that and what that means for our church. God called me and confirmed my place in, uh, with women's ministries on, uh, in leadership. And God, like I said, told me that he's going to have a revival in our church family. And I, after I was serving and come alongside, I prayed to God and I was like, okay, if you're doing this revival, if something big is, is coming to our, our body here specifically, why are you starting with women's ministries? Because my background is children's ministries. I've been doing that since I was like 14 years old. Why am I here? God said so specifically like he does, I mean, just answered me like that. And he said, the reason that I'm starting in women's ministries is because women set the tone for the rest of the church. The scripture that he brought to my wise woman builds up her home. A foolish woman tears it down with her own two hands. Who's tearing it down? We are. You can, on your own. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying, women, we have the ability to tear down our own home. This scripture does not just apply to the home. This applies to the body, as a lot of scriptures do. When you look at the Bible as a whole, and God is speaking specifically on this is, you know, the authority in the home or, or whatever he's talking about within the home, that context goes right to the body. It goes straight to the church family. So that's what God told me. I'm starting in women's ministry because women set the tone. There's a lot of weight to that. There's a lot of responsibility in that. I want you to complete a sentence for me. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Okay, how many of you knew this saying? All right. How many of you don't like this saying? How many, how many don't like it because you know it's true? Okay, there we go. Let me find where I am, just a second. We as women, we possess a lot of power in our response. How a woman responds can make or break the attitude of the entire home or the entire church. If your husband is driving the vehicle, no, I'm just kidding, we're good. If your husband is driving the vehicle, he is by default responsible, the, the person in the driver's seat, right? By default, he's the one that's responsible to get you to your destination safely. But do we not possess the ability to decide what the atmosphere in that vehicle is gonna be? Yes, we do. We all know, amen, amen. Yep. <laughs> there are extenuating circumstances to everything. Sometimes, yes, men will set the tone, but you understand where I'm going with this. Women, we have a very, very specific ability we got to be responsible with that re ability. Our response to circumstances sets the tone for everyone else in your home, in the church, your children, right? Even if, let's just say a, a situation is the husband isn't following the Lord, but if the wife is, and she can still set the tone for her children, she can still affect that home very, very greatly. Now, if God has an agenda for how he wants us to set that tone, and we'll get into that in a minute. Does not Satan have an agenda as well? He does, and we need to be very, very aware of that. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. These are not like fake little words. This is real. This is Satan's plan. He, he has an agenda to steal, to kill, to destroy. The world would like to set the home for our church, for, excuse me, for our home. The world wants to set the tone for our home, does it not? Oh, it would love to do that. So would Satan. But I want to encourage you to abide in the vine. Read the word of God. Put on the armor of God, like Ephesians 6 says. Pray without ceasing. This is serious stuff, and our response matters. How we set the tone matters. Okay, now before I go on, 
I um, a, ch- a chapel, a little chapel I used to go to, the one where there was like, you know, 19 people that I was leading worship for and I was still really nervous with the microphone. That same chapel, we, um, we had a chaplain, Chaplain Carl. He was from the South, I believe. And uh, <laughs> when he would get to the part of the message where it was gonna be a little iffy of how people were gonna receive it, he would say, <laughs> he would preface it and say, listen, I'm about to step on your toes, but I'm aiming for your heart. And then he would say, so you just tuck your toes underneath your chair and we're gonna be fine. Like, this isn't gonna hurt a bit. I'm not here to step on anybody's toes. If I do, it's because I'm aiming for your heart. And this goes for me too. This isn't about me preaching to you or telling you what's up. This is about what God has shared with me where I've missed the boat. You know, my life isn't perfect. I'm not a perfect Christian, but he has asked me to share this. What are some negative responses in how we respond, I guess? You know, what are, how we set the tone? First one, gossip. Proverbs eleven thirteen. a gossip bears a confidence, excuse me, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Uh, Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip se- separates close friends. Proverbs 20:19. a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. I, that might be me, but I mean, hopefully it's not for gossip reasons. God has given you the Holy Spirit. You know when you're gossiping and you know when you're, when you're going forward with it anyway. You know when someone is sharing gossip, but gossip is a sin, of course. And who promotes sin? Satan. What is Satan? What is his MO again? To kill or to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you have someone like Satan who wants to promote sin in your life, gossip cannot be looked at as this tiny little issue, right? It can't be. We have to look at sin in the way that it is. That sin, um, Satan, his desire is to have sin manifest in a way that is so big in your life to steal, to kill, to destroy. Again, those aren't little words. This is serious. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So what's the opposite of gossip? There's a quote that I've seen like on Facebook a couple times and I really like it and I wanna share it. And it's, a friend fixes another woman's crown without telling the world it was ever crooked. Right? The world doesn't need to know. Someone messes up. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Why does God want us to think about these things? Because what we think about is gonna come out, right? It's gonna manifest in our minds and in our hearts. Because what is in our minds will dictate what we say and also how we respond to the desire to gossip or whatever else, you know, the sin would be. How we respond to someone else spreading gossip. Gossip does not unify, but assuming the best in others and protecting them will unify us. And if you want to know the truth about something because it involves you, then go to those involved only. Work it out with them. But do not let Satan run wild with stealing and killing and destroying. Let's talk about our response with bitterness. And I promise this isn't all like hit you over the head or anything. You just tuck your toes in. We're going to be fine. I had an experience with bitterness and unforgiveness and someone that sinned against me for years. And it turned my heart. I was just torn up about it. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, someone else can relate to this. I wasn't sinning against them. They were sinning against me. I was explaining this to my aunt one time about what this, had person, what this person had done to me and how it affected me and how I was angry and how you know, bitterness was coming into my heart, definitely, or it was already there. And my aunt said to me, I'm thinking she's gonna be like, you poor girl, come here and let me hug you. No, she said, if you choose to not forgive, that is your sin. If you choose bitterness, that is your sin. Oh my goodness. When I decided to finally forgive and trust God in that way, that he was gonna take care of it, that my job was just to forgive. And honestly, that's, that's so small, you know, compared to what, God, what Christ has done on the cross for us. I experienced healing of my sin, but also healing from those past hurts. And do you know what healing feels like? Freedom, right? Healing feels like freedom, whether it's from an addiction or 
or past hurts or whatever it may be, when we are set free, it, <laughs> there's, that's it. Like, that's the ultimate. It's from the Lord. If someone has hurt you or sinned against you, but you harbor unforgiveness against them, that is your sin. Ephesians 4.31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Bitterness eats you alive from the inside, starting with your heart, does it not? So what's the opposite of bitterness? Now I'm gonna ask you, can you have compassion and bitterness towards someone in your heart at the same time? No, I don't think so. How can you have compassion for them but be bitter? and want what's best for them. That's why the Bible tells us to pray for our enemies, because if you are asking God to bless them, then your heart will change as well. Now, the verse that I read on Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now on to verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. There's the opposite right? So maybe the opposite of bitterness is compassion and forgiveness. Daniel 9.9 says, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. He's forgiven us. He's God. He has the power to forgive, but you bear the image of God's heart, remember? And through the Holy Spirit, we can forgive. We can release bitterness and offer compassion. You don't have to be best friends with those who have sinned against you, but you do need to keep your side of the street clean before God, as a good friend of mine says. You will experience freedom when you forgive. You can have compassion towards others when you do not harbor bitterness. What does unity look like when we let go of bitterness and anger? Criticism. These are things, you know, that can take down a body, but also with women, again, with us. A natural symptom of being a human is that we criticize, and Christians love legalism. I don't know what it is, but some of us do. (laughs) I just, I wrote this down. I can't believe she did not read the homework that they gave in Bible study. Everyone is given the same 24 hours in the day. Why is she wearing the same outfit every time I see her? Okay, my family, we, when we come to church, we do not look like we stepped out of a Gap commercial, okay? If my kids have shoes on, if everyone has brushed their teeth, you're welcome, all right? That's how it goes sometimes. Thank you. Thank you for that support. Why do, why do we criticize, right? Why do we, why do we sometimes lean towards legalism? At a homeschool convention, we homeschool our son. Um, at a homeschool convention, a, a woman was talking about legalism, And she says, I wear a backpack full of what God has said to me that are non-negotiables in my walk with him. If I take that backpack off and force you to wear it, that is legalism. Yes, there are biblical non-negotiables that apply to every single Christian. But when we criticize someone else, we are condemning them. Instead, we should think of others higher than ourselves. We consider their circumstance. They are not exactly like you or me. We all have struggles, we all have insecurities, but we can be united and unified when we consider others first. And we bring glory to God when we consider others first. And that's, that's the whole point here, ladies, is that we're bringing glory to God. And are we doing that with our responses? Are we setting a tone that brings glory to God? Hold on, I'm gonna skip over this. Sorry, stand by. Thank you. 10-4. Okay, we're gonna move on to fear. All of these negative responses, when we have a response to circumstances or whatever you know happens in life, they're all fear-based. The criticism, bitterness, anger, all those are fear-based. None of those are based in love. The problem with fear is that it's never ending. There's no stopping point, right? It just keeps going. Why did they leave our church? They must be ahead of like a drug ring or something. No, like what? What, it just keeps, you see what I'm saying? Fear just keeps, there is no end to it. It just goes bigger and bigger and bigger. We fear because we don't have the knowledge. That's why we fear, right? We don't understand what's going on and we want to know what's going on. It is our right to know. It's not our right to always know. And if we're trusting in the Lord, then 
will we be fearing? Anxiety and fear, they can immobilize us. And, you know, talking, <laughs> talking before about my whole microphone thing and anxiety, and I do deal with anxiety, and I am not the person that you want in an emergency, okay? Because I am the friend that is literally running around in circles with my hair on fire, and you have to, like, splash cold water on my face, and you're like, psh, psh, Ashley, like, get a hold of yourself, girl. Like, I don't do well, okay? Like, I wish I was, like, the Mother Teresa of crisis mode but I'm not, all right? I don't know who is, but if I could be, that'd be fantastic. Fear for me, just, it just keeps going. It's the what ifs. I'm gonna give you an example of Mary when she's visited by the angel, right? And you probably know the story. I'm not gonna go great into detail in it, but the angel says to Mary when he's visiting her and letting her know that, he, that she's going to, um, uh, that she's pregnant with Jesus and that she's going to give birth you know, to like the son of God. It's just something small that happens every day. But the angel says, Mary, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Mary's response, paraphrasing, I am willing to be used of the Lord. Let it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel went away from her. I wish I would respond like Mary sometimes. I wish that I would set the tone like Mary because if an angel in all of his like brilliant light shininess showed up at my house like on a Thursday night while I'm unloading the dishwasher and was like, listen, I have something really amazing for you and this is what you need to do. I would be like, get your shiny hiney out of my house. This is not okay. And then the angel would be like, but fear not. And I would be like, no, I think I'm gonna fear. I think I'm going to, because you just kind of showed up here out of nowhere. So again, I wish I was like Mary. I wish I could respond in that way when God, when God shows up and asks me to do something. But also when a circumstance happens, I don't have any control over. What is my response? How do I set the tone for my family and for the church as well? Because again, our response and how we set the tone is important. We trust an unknown future to a known God. And what has he done before? Just like the song that Melissa was um, and Judy were leading with us before about, you've never forsaken me. You've never left me by my, you know, alone. Like you've always been by my side. Yes, ma'am. <gasps> Time, sorry. Okay. I don't know what the signals and I'm like, are we playing football? I don't know what this means. Okay. I don't barely watch football. I don't know. Okay. Thank you. I'm out. I know. Penalty box. My sister calls it the sin bin. It's a penalty box because you've done wrong. All right. Can I just, is it okay? Okay, thanks. So it was a warning is what that was. I didn't need to just include. It's okay. It's fine. It's on me. It's on me. All right. <laughs> Paul, when we think of Paul, that dude, excuse me, man, he was flogged. He was in prison. He was shipwrecked. What? I mean, he went through every, everything possible that could go wrong. Like, it feels like that poor man, like, went through it. And what was his response when that happened? When he's writing letters to everybody, he's not like shaking in his shackles going, what's gonna happen next? No, like his response was one that was trusting of the Lord. In Romans 8, 28, he said, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We need to be mindful, like I said before, about how we set the tone. We, as women, have the ability to build up a house or tear it down with our own two hands. Our attitude matters, and we set the temperature, right? Moving on to my final point quickly. Moving forward with women's ministries, and this is just, you know, hear my heart in this. We're gonna see what God wants to do. We don't have, again, all the answers. Like we had to postpone our rummage sale. Bible studies, yes, they're in the works, I promise. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. Again, we've had to regroup a little bit here. But can we move forward with even the topics that we've had for our summer series, love, obedience, honesty, and transparency, and unity? What is God's plan for our church and women's ministries? Let's join God in what he's doing, not in what we think should be done or this next ministry or even this next event or whatever. Where is he already moving and let's join him there.
And again, back to the point where even we as leaders, what God has put on our hearts, the number one that we need to come back to, our baseline. Paul, do you know why Paul wasn't freaking out? I didn't say this before. It's because his baseline that he came back to, when his fear and his anxiety went up here, the baseline that he came back to was Christ. That's what we need to come back to. Are we in the word enough that that is our baseline, that it's, it's on, we've written it on the tablet of our heart. We're memorizing and we're in the word. We're praying together. We're praying for one another. And again, I'm, girl, I'm telling myself here, like my baseline needs to be Christ when my world gets crazy and when there's uncertainty. So let me ask you, because we as the leadership, we see where God is moving. And number one, starting at just square one, he wants everybody involved. He wants everybody to feel welcome and like this is your home and that you can be here and feel you know, safe and be able to open up. That's the kind of community that we want to create. But community is what we make it and we need you to help do that as well. We can't just as a leadership team create it. We need your help and because you're a part of it just as much as we are. What is God asking of you? What has he placed on your heart? What does God want community within our church to look like? What's he putting on your heart, ladies? I do think that we need to get our hands dirty. You know, I think we need to get outside of our comfort zone. I think we need to serve. We need to love each other. Um, We need to get uncomfortable. And just as God is giving our leadership team a testimony, you too have a testimony in all of this. How does God want to use you? Are you going, if he invites you and you hear him inviting you, you, what's your response going to be? A scripture I had written, honestly, I just wrote it at the end of my notes because it was something that the Lord put in my heart, so I'm just going to share it. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. 2 Thessalonians 3.5. I want to encourage you. Again, these, this, this wasn't about you know, beating anybody over the head or saying what we're doing is wrong. I just want to say, be encouraged, ladies, because God is doing something in this church. He wants a revival in our hearts. Before we can even think about reaching out behind, you know, outside of these four walls, he wants to do something with us here first. My daughter, she's two. She came home with this little um, bookmark. I think it, unless it was my eight-year-olds. I'm sorry, I have two kids. Again, I'm a great mom. I don't know who brought it home. But it's a little bookmark, and it says, I love God's church. And that's something I've been really thinking on, dwelling on, you know, reading up scriptures, obviously, you know, praying about what does that look like to love God's church? So again, I just want to encourage you in that. I'm going to go ahead and just um, close this uh, teaching right now, and then we'll have the worship team come up. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you're a good father. You love us and you want to bless us. Thank you for what you're doing at this body and in this church. Thank you for calling us and asking us to come alongside you. Let us be found faithful, Lord, that we can follow you in a steadfast way, that we don't grow weary and that we don't fear. We don't let the fear take over, Lord, but that we look to you. We thank you, God, in advance for what you're gonna do here in our hearts. Thank you for us creating us as women that you have you know, specific abilities that you've instilled in us and that we bear your image. Help us to understand that deeply. Help us to go forth and set the right tone. Again, God, we just thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.